here is your host. Hello, and welcome to this very special episode of Cindy's Celebrity Corner. Thank you for joining us on a Monday night for a very special episode. I am your host, Cindy Gross. Once again, I want to thank you for all the support you have given the show and making us one of the most listened to on this station and throughout the various podcast outlets we are on. We have a huge show tonight about a topic that is very close to my heart, the political scene in America today. So welcome into my corner. It's no secret to many of you that I am a Jewish activist, a Zionist. I have worked with diversity coalitions, and I ran for Congress. I wrote a book about education activism and helped write bipartisan uh, legislation in New York about the curriculum. It's no secret that I stand up for what is right and who is right, regardless of party, even though I am affiliated with one of them. I do remember the days of bipartisan support and bipartisan working together, and that is why this show is going to feature a voice of the right and the voice of a left. It's no secret that many of you are very scared, very upset, regardless of the party. I'm not talking about the fake news uh, commentaries. I'm talking about walking on your streets safely. Are you going to be able to walk to your churches and your synagogues, your supermarkets? And speaking of supermarkets, many of you are very upset about the rising cost of simple things like eggs, milk, meat, and bread. What about the price of gas? And how that's going to impact so many of the products you use. Yes, we are reopening. But people are very concerned about how we are reopening. Are we going to be able to walk our streets? Not everybody is for ending law enforcement. In fact, most people, including a lot of Democrats, are for law enforcement. We're very concerned about schools. Schools should be open. Schools, and I mean school choice, should be including public and private school, homeschooling choices, because the realistic thing is schools are paid for by your tax dollars. And whether or not you go to a public school or a private school, you are entitled to services. And as they teach teachers, the environment should be the most learning friendly. Before COVID, we've had many issues with our schools, but now they become a whole different level. I know you want to hear from our guest. They both have a lot to say. So let's get into our first commercial. And when we come back, we're going to have in one of his first interviews, the host of Newsmax TV's Stinchfield, Grant Stinchfield. Selling a home can be expensive and stressful. Remax IQ has created a smarter home selling experience. Our successful real estate agents in New York will sell your home for as little as 2% commission and get you top dollar, stress-free, and fast. Just ask Joseph M. from Brooklyn. Remax IQ made it easy. No for sale sign. I had offers in days. I saved $10,000 in commission and I was in contract fast. If you're thinking of selling, 
Remax IQ has created a smarter home selling experience. Our successful real estate agents in New York will sell your home for as little as 2% commission and get you top dollar, stress free, and fast. To learn more, call 800 800 1372. That's 800 800 1372. We're not a discount broker. We're Remax IQ. Speak with a top agent today. 800 800 1372. That's 800 800 1372. Or visit RemaxIQ.com. Terms and conditions apply. Visit www.remaxiq.com slash disclaimer. Here is your host. Welcome back to Cindy's Celebrity Corner. I am your host, Cindy Gross, and I promised you a great first guest, and it's not going to disappoint. I am a huge fan of our first guest, and I know many of you are. Grant Stinchfield, you have been... Uh, one of the rising stars of Newsmax TV, and you've changed 8 p.m. for us in New York, and of course the time changes around the country. So welcome to Cindy's Celebrity Corner, and uh, thank you for joining us. Well, I'm honored to even be considered a celebrity. I don't look at myself like that, but Cindy, thank you. Well, you you are the most important type of celebrity. You are an inspiration to many. You um, have a very interesting background that brought you to Newsmax, and many of us admire the fact that at this stage of the game, you decided to take journalism to a different level. Tell us a little bit about your business and what you do. I know you're from Texas, and share it with the audience. Yeah, so I've been living in Texas for about 20 years now. I run a trucking company. I uh, run 18-wheelers for a Fortune 500 company. I've got 10 of those on the road. Um, I'm doing radio right now a lot in L.A. for a morning show in, in Los Angeles, which can really use conservative voices there. Uh, and then, of course, the Newsmax show, which is 8 p.m. Eastern time, uh, Monday through Friday on Newsmax. And you can find Newsmax on just about any streaming outlet as well as any cable satellite provider. I think we're in 85 million homes now, and uh, I'm blessed ratings are going through the roof. Well, I, I will tell you one thing I do notice that you and Greg Kelly really give each other nice promos and really sincere uh, discussion as opposed to some of the other stations. And the other thing I notice about you, you take the time to go in depth to an issue. A perfect what? example was last night, the Arizona uh, recount and the recall and, and what you did that really nobody else was doing. Tell us what made you decide to do this. Well, I think what's going on in Arizona is one of the most important stories we have today in America because people just want some clarity about what happened in 2020. Um, what I've said over and over again is it looks to me like there's an awful lot of evidence of election fraud out there, whether you have the ballots being rolled out from under the table, you got trucks showing up in the middle of the night, vote dumps, all of these issues. But we still have yet to have this smoking gun. And so I think what the Arizona audit could do is provide us some stone cold proof of election fraud if it's there. And so this is why the Democrats are hog wild in panic mode over this, because I think they're afraid of what they're going to find. So no one else is focusing on this issue. I mean, you have a few few groups out there focusing on it, but by and large, the mainstream media is not focusing on it and anything they do focus on. They're, they're trying to call into question that it's some kind of uh, Banana Republic circus show, uh, which it's not. It's being done uh, very transparent with all the latest ways to go through these votes, including blue lights, looking for creases and watermarks and all of these things. And so 
I'm just going to keep the folks updated on what's happening there. And all I want is the truth. What really happened? Let's get to it. So that's just one story you do in detail. And I don't know how much you know about me, but I actually ran for Congress as a Trump supporter. I'm on the I was on and I guess I still am on the National Diversity Coalition for Trump. And like you, I would like answers. I don't want conspiracy theories. I do like I am a factual person. And I think one of the biggest problems we have today that you're working so hard to do is prove by fact logic right. and reason, which a lot of people um, some, somehow, because of the, the country, just can't get into. I'm not into theories. I like fact. And I think that's something about you, maybe because you're a businessman. Well, well, look, so the statistics that are out there are factual statistics that President Trump won 18 of 19 bellwether counties. He won thousands of counties across the country. Joe Biden only won 477. President Trump won Ohio, Florida, and Iowa. No city president has ever lost those states and still become president. Joe Biden did now. All of these things point to something amiss, including picking up House seats. But it doesn't mean that, that there's absolute proof that something happened. It only is statistically not the norm. So, again, we still need the smoking gun. And I do believe it's out there, but I believe the Democrats have done everything they can do to hide it. And so even if the audit finds it, this forensic audit in Arizona, uh, the reality is I'm not sure there's much that can be done anyway. I don't think you're going to see the election be turned around and somehow President Trump find himself back in the White House before 2024, as much as I wish that would be the case. Um, I'm often criticized for being the bearer of bad news on that front. But I always shoot straight and I always tell you whether I like it or not. And that's kind of what we do on the program. So that's why I really like you, because people tell me I'm a straight shooter as well. I'm not into the theatrics. This is politics. This isn't even though this is Cindy's celebrity corner. My other guests can talk about the entertainment in that way. But I think a lot of this has to do with education. And to people who are just waking up now to woke education and thinking that this is something brand new, I could tell you I have 20 years of knowledge from the public schools and Randy Weingarten's leadership, first in New York and then nationally, about how hate and opinions were taught in schools, were encouraged by certain staff members. I mean, I'm going to show you this one on a, a business email uh, in tw- 206, 2006, with about 50 different people on staff, and it says in it, white women are easy and docile. So if teachers are teaching this in public schools 15 years ago, what makes you think that the children that are 25 who went through these failing schools should turn out any different than they are now looking to entitlements and Black Lives Matter? I can't blame them for everything when they've been exposed to this for so many decades. Well, being in New York, you know that unions were the downfall of so many industries in in, in New York. They served a purpose at one time. They no longer serve that purpose. Um, Whether you talk about the construction industry in New York that is absolutely devastated by by the unions in that city, or you talk about schooling and the unions involved in schooling and Randy Weingarten and the ATF um, or AFT is, it's been so bad for kids. And then you see the story that comes out that they were actively lobbying the CDC, throwing science out and 
telling the CDC that schools should not be open. And it looked like this government agency actively colluded with the American Federation of Teachers and Randy Weingarten to keep schools closed around the country. Um, this story is just coming out now. This is what they do. You can go out to Los Angeles and see what the teachers union in L.A. are doing. They just came out and said, we don't want two more weeks of schooling added to the school year next year. Forget about it. We don't feel comfortable. Well, why? Because they don't want to work. They don't want to go back to school. And sadly, that's what unions have become, just to fight for their members not to actually work. This country is becoming lazier and lazier, and it's a big problem for us. So you have a microphone. I have a microphone. So here's a, a, what a principal, and again, New York Board of Education, a principal said on her microphone, CP time is not recognized here. Can you imagine if you said that on, on Newsmax, you would be fired immediately, you would have lawsuits, but because this was a Democratic minority principal, rewarded. Here's all the paperwork on it. I mean, these are the things that have to come out, but unfortunately, there are a few people who are willing to do this. And you expose it not just in education, not just in the Arizona, but even in small business, you've been a big part of this. You've been a big part of this from, I mean, Trump called you out at some of the rallies. Yeah. Um, how do you have the time between the business and everything else to get into investigating and doing these unique stories? Because your stories are so unique. Well, you know, I was an investigative reporter for 20-something years of my life before I got into business and then ultimately being a conservative talker. Um, I have four Emmys to my name as an investigative reporter for the NBC-owned and operated stations group, which means I work for NBC-owned local stations around the country, uh, from Hartford, Connecticut, WNBC, where, where, where I believe you're in New York, right? And, and uh, WNBC was one station, and then uh, ultimately in Dallas. So it gave me a great education of how to uncover waste, fraud, and abuse, which I still really use as a fundamental principle of what we do on the program. I try to investigate the truth. That's all I want because the truth matters. It no longer matters to the mainstream media anymore. And so 11 years ago, I got out of regular TV news, mainstream television, because I couldn't take it anymore. And that's when I went into business for myself, bought an auto care business, started the trucking company. Uh, a couple other businesses that I have, and, and then, of course, doing radio and TV. We do have to talk a little bit about your state. First of all, you have a great GOP leader in Alan West. I've been fortunate enough to do some work with him yeah. and uh, to uh, meet with him. And um, he is really a true, dedicated person and a voice of the future of the GOP. And you just had an election that is an indication of where GO, you know, the GOP in Texas is going possibly in 2022. So tell us a little bit about it because you're down there and you know a little more. Well, um, I am concerned about Texas because I do, do see it moving towards the left. That's a lot to do with people moving from California and other liberal states here. It has a lot to do with illegal immigration. Um, but still on a statewide level, we have a very good group of strong conservatives, one being Alan West, as you mentioned, Colonel Alan West was a congressman from Florida, moved to Texas, uh, now leads our, our Republican Party here in this state. Governor Abbott has been great. He's had a few hiccups along the way during the COVID uh, China virus crisis. But overall, he's a good, solid conservative leader. Our lieutenant governor is, is as well. And then, you know, we have Ted Cruz. Um, John Cornyn, jury's still out, and uh, I'm not even sure the jury's still out. And John Cornyn has some issues. I'd like to see him be a little bit stronger 
but that's where we are. So, so Texas had congressional district six. It's just south, uh, of Dallas. I guess it's west south of Dallas, Arlington area and south. Ron Wright had uh, died of China virus complications. His wife endorsed by President Trump. 23 people in the race. Um, two made a runoff. Both Republicans. Ron Wright's wife, which uh, was Trump endorsed. And then we've got another state representative, Republican, who made it. So Democrats were shut out of that race. And I think even... Even more important, Adam Kinzinger, the cringy little weasel of a Republican from Illinois, he endorsed one of the candidates. That candidate finished ninth. Uh, but overall, last night I had the numbers at 58, 59, 59%. I'm looking at the numbers today as more votes come in. It's like 61% of the vote went to Republicans in that district. Now, I will say this, Cindy, it's a strong Republican district. Always has been. I don't know if you remember a guy by the name of Joe Barton who used to be there. He was somewhat of an establishment guy too, but a Texas Republican. Republicans have had a stranglehold on that district for a long time. So it's not a surprise, but it is a message that the Democrat is not even finishing second in that, in that race. And that's really important because the fake news media only wants to say that the Republican Party is dead. They don't want to discuss the uh, issues in their party that's uh, falling apart and their their little disagreements among each other. They only want to talk about Liz Cheney versus Donald Trump. And um, that is something that uh, is really uh, very confusing to people who only want to listen to the uh, the mainstream media, who only right. watch CNN, because they don't understand their party is even more broken up than ours. And um, I'm glad to see Texas is like that. I'm a big Ted Cruz person. I helped uh, his 2016 New York campaign when he was running. I was lucky to be with him in Jerusalem at the embassy opening. And uh, I know a lot of the people who work yeah. with him. He's a yeah. great guy. And uh, he is. He's going to be like one of the number one targets for uh, Democrats because he does hold so much power. He does. What are your la- for the last few minutes, tell us a little bit what you see happening in regards to 2021. There are loads of local elections, and I, I see a lot of Republicans wanting to stay home, and I keep urging them not to because mm. I think that local elections are even more important. It's the direct money going into your streets, your schools, et cetera. And uh, what do you see for 2022 and 2024? Um, well, one, local elections, you are correct. They probably have more of an impact on your life on a daily basis than your congressional or senatorial or, or even presidential elections do on a daily basis. Um, so I urge people to get involved. People ask me all the time. They're so frustrated with what's going on. What can they do? At the very least, give money to candidates you support um, at most. Try to volunteer and then even run for office yourself if you can. I think it's great for people to do that. Get involved. The more we do that, the more we overwhelm the other side. 2022, I'm very hopeful to take back um, really the Senate and the House. Uh, you've got 10 seats the Republicans have have dubbed as totally up for grabs. But you've got 47 seats the Democrats hold right now that could be really vulnerable across the country, specifically because of redistricting. So Republicans' victories in the House, uh, in state houses around the country just this past election were critical because of redistricting. And so we can really set 
the political scene for the next 10 years on how we draw these congressional lines. I think Republicans control like 40 states or something like that. So hugely important year coming up in 2022. And then 2024, uh, again, I'm, I'm hopeful President Trump runs. I don't know if he is or isn't. I was with him a couple weeks ago. We didn't talk about it. I know he's still very focused on the last race and his frustrations there, as you can imagine as well. He should be frustrated with, with what happened. But I would hope he would get in the race. Just as a betting guy, I, I give it 50-50. So we'll see what happens. Grant, where can our listeners uh, find you besides the TV show? And I just want you to know you're always welcome back here. What a great voice and so full of factual knowledge, which is something that few people today really want to take the time to read and learn and, and share. So well, where can lot, we find you? I will say I'm constantly watching and listening. Looking and listening, as George Costanza used to say. Look and listen. Do lots of looking and listening. And uh, and that's what I do. But Stinchfield1776 is my uh, Twitter, Instagram handle, Grant Stinchfield on Facebook, and and grantstinchfield.com is, is my website. And, of course, the Newsmax show, 8 o'clock Eastern, every night, Monday through Friday on Newsmax. Grant, thank you so much for uh, joining Cindy's Celebrity Corner. And when we come back from the left, Hank Scheinkoff. Are you looking to update your home? Are you looking for new art? If you're like me, you took advantage of being home during COVID and remodeling and updating the looks on the walls in your home. I am telling you, don't look further. Go to Katya Levanovich's website and find many examples of her award-winning designs that are featured in many of today's homes. And now your host. Welcome back to Cindy's Celebrity Corner. I am your host, Cindy Gross. And we just had a discussion from Grant Stitchfield about what is going on on the right. And joining us now is Hank Scheinkoff, political strategist who worked uh, with the Clinton administration and has worked in politics for decades. I'll let him tell you how long, primarily in the Democratic Party. And welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me on. It's more years than I care to consider, and the guesstimation is that I've worked on 700 campaigns, both domestically and internationally, um, all over the world and all over the country, and it's been quite a quite an experience. So tell us what you see as a Democrat going on in uh, the country today. The country is in a very serious moment. Um, the The income gap and the resource gap uh, based upon the, the work of, you know, multiple scholars are going to either take this democracy down or be repaired, one or the other. You cannot have, we now have three distinctive societies, people with a lot, people with some, we're going to lose it, possibly, if, if we don't change the tax code, and people with nothing. And that's just not going to work out. It's, uh, democracies all over the world, there's a fellow named, I think, Przewski, who's a comparative political scientist at NYU, who's written extensively about these kind of income gaps and their impact on, on democracies, and it ain't good news. So we might not, some people on the right might not like what Joe Biden's talking about, but if we don't begin to correct these deficits, there's not likely to be a democracy here, see here over time because the data is pretty clear about what happens. Just that simple. So you probably know Joe Biden from your many years working in Washington and throughout uh, many campaigns. 
What are your thoughts about him? I think that he is a decent person. Joe Biden is a decent man. Country basis. And he can fix them in a way that makes sense uh, long term. He really does believe in, in creating an environment in which the next generation can prosper. That's not insignificant. And, uh, you know, whether you agree with him or not, doesn't matter, but that's what he believes. He's a fundamentally very decent person and a great lover of this country. And what do you see uh, his, his biggest obstacle in Washington right now? Well, the fact that the, the, the corporations have far too much power uh, since, the, since the Supreme Court's, I guess, 2010 decision, um, Citizens United, the corporations have been able to do whatever they want dump as much money as they want into campaigns um, and elect people who are beholden to corporations and have absolutely no allegiance to the public at large. So you know, that's not a good system. That's not what the founding fathers had in mind when they, when they, when they created this extraordinary democracy that has outlasted, uh, you know, by the way, parenthetically, democracy is not a growth business. There are nations throughout the world that tried it and didn't work out at all. And, and, and greed and, and corporate um, avarice have a lot to do with destruction of those democracies. So we're at, a, we're at a very critical moment. We are at a very, very critical moment. Where do you see Kamala Harris in regard to how you described Joe Biden and what he views as America? Kamala Harris, whether you like her politics or not, is a very, very important figure um, because she is the, in, an extraordinary symbol that the country has, uh, again, gone through an extraordinary growth spurt psychologically, and that it was able to elect a woman who is not white to be the vice president of the United States. That is an extraordinary event. You know, we, we don't, uh, we're, we're far behind in, in, in this country in determining who should be president, who should not, by gender or race. If you look at the state of Israel, for example, um, and the, the attacks are absurd, but Israel had a woman prime minister, what, 50 years ago? Pretty amazing. The United mm-hmm. States has finally got a woman vice president. What, are we kidding? And speaking of Israel, and you are uh, a proud Jew and a proud Zionist, what are your thoughts about what is going on in Washington and the, the relationship with the state of Israel? I think Americans have it, have it all screwed up in their brains. Um, the argument about Israel um, has has uh, it just doesn't fit into our present politics that people don't like Jews. OK, what's new? There's nothing new about that. It's in the Parsha. It's a discussion about separation. We've never been part of the world. Uh, the things we do are extraordinary. Uh, the the uh, There's a country, one country in the world, I guess, where they don't do chest cracking anymore during for heart disease. I think it's Israel. The creation of the iPhone, the the the, uh, the smartphone, half of the software in the world, new technologies to prevent illnesses, new technologies and new medical technologies to deal with neurological diseases. All of these things are coming from this tiny place, which is a miracle in itself because it has every climate imaginable and, and just as extraordinary by definition because God God gave it to the Jewish people. That being said, American Jews need to get over the fact that Israel is not a poor cousin that needs us to fret and worry all day long. Israel is a nuclear power. And when corrected for its economic activity, I would guess putting on my, my scholar hat is probably 
about the economy is probably about the 18th largest in the world when corrected for population. So the idiocy of obsessing about Israel and not dealing with the facts of life are somewhat different. The Americans have to deal with the very simple fact that Israel's purpose is strategic. There is no sentimentality here. The loss of the Caribbean Basin is something that Harry Truman understand, which is why he came up with the Truman Doctrine to ensure that the Russians and communists could not control our access to that part of the world. If something happens to Israel's security, the United States will be eating hay probably in another five to another 10 years because the, our, our capacity to compete internationally, which is already in trouble because of China's rapid growth as a military power and as an economic entity. And by the way, their GDP is going to surpass us pretty quickly. Um, a very serious problem. But that being said, Israel will do if the, if the climate continues in Washington with the left, will do what it should do, which is move further to the east to move technological products and military hardware and technology. Simple. Just that simple. And the left won't understand why it occurred. So we're in New York, a blue state, uh, mm -hmm. and a very strong blue state. And we have a lot of major elections in 2021. And what do you think is going to happen? You worked in so many New York on a local and state level. Well, I worked for governors and I've worked for uh, all kinds of people with governors, control. I mean, attorneys general, I've done ups, worked on upset races and I've had a great run. And I've worked on 20 successful city viruses in New York. I would argue that it is unclear who will be the next mayor of the city of New York. Um, the, it is, um, we're six and a half weeks out, I guess, six weeks out. There's always something unique that happens in New York that changes the entire discussion. In fact, it, we, we witnessed the, uh, the, the near explosive, explosive destruction of Scott's, of a, the city controller, Scott Stringer's campaign for mayor, um, Stringer, who had effectively abandoned the Jews and made, made uh, common, common, um, uh, made common, common, uh, you know, made commonality with the, the Working Families Party and others who uh, require that uh, people do not visit Israel as part of, uh, what, as part of getting support. I mean, it's, uh, what he did is disgraceful, and you know his campaign is blown up. He could still survive. If I had to bet today, it's probably a race between Maya Wiley, Bill de Blasio's lawyer, um, Eric Adams, the former policeman who's the borough president of Brooklyn, and um, and Stringer's still in it, and and likely uh, Yang. Um, and Yang uh, has expressed some level of commitment, or, or at least a sense of sensitivity to the Jewish community in New York City. Um, Adams has a long history of, of uh, working with Jews and uh, as borough president and as a state senator in Brooklyn. And uh, then you have uh, Wiley, who's uh, who's been uh, part of has been mayor de Blasio's lawyer. And uh, you can see the state of the city right now. The, the tragedy is that no one understands anymore the majesty of the mayor's office to get things done. I mean, New Yorkers tend to believe well, they used to believe that the mayor, when the mayor goes to sleep, when they go to sleep at night, the mayor shuts off the lights. And when they wake up in the morning, the mayor turns them on again. That's not what we've experienced here. And the real issue in that mayoral race, frankly, is not who should be the mayor, but whether the mayor matters anymore. The majesty of the office, its powers have been so, um, so have so much lost their shine during the de Blasio years that the relevance is a significant question. That's why people are not interested in the idea that somehow you have this massive turnout is also patently ridiculous. My betting is the turnout's about 22% of total possible voters in the Democratic primary. 
the Democratic Party in New York will determine the outcome. So uh, Newsom and Cuomo going to survive their individual uh, state issues. Andrew Cuomo will survive through his term. The question is, can he get a fourth term, which has always been his desire to over to to go past his father? It's a different question. Um, it, and that's yet to be determined by what the attorney general and others may find out or report at the, at, as we go forward. The, the the larger question is, has he been good or has he been bad? Maybe, but he's gotten the state through COVID. Um, and that wasn't easy. This is still the media capital of the world. It is rapidly losing its position as the financial capital of the world. As we see more corporations leave and take jobs with them. I mean, Alliance Bernstein took, what, 1,200 jobs out of here. Most of its operations going back two to three years ago. Um, J.P. Morgan Chase has talked about taking jobs out of New York. Um, and that will be the great challenge that this governor, the next mayor, and others face, whether New York can re- maintain its place as the capital, as a world capital, or whether it will just be, you know, another backwater. And we really face those choices. It's, this is not accidental, and it's very serious. And the politicians keep saying, oh, people have to stay here. Well, I have to tell you, I'm glad I have a smartphone that doesn't cost extra money to call all over the world because people I know ain't coming back and they moved to Florida and warmer climates and places where the taxes are lower. One last question. Any sure. prediction of if you had to make a, a bet today, who would be the Republican uh, nominee and the Democrat? If Biden would run again, who would be on the tick, top tickets for 2024? Well, Biden, Biden runs again. Kamala Harris runs. If not, she's likely to be the nominee um, for president. On the Republican side, it's very hard. The Republicans are in serious trouble, too. The, the split in their party is very, very serious. Both parties have been in serious decline as, uh, as, real, as real ideological entities for quite some time. Um, if I were to bet in 2024, Donald Trump will want to be the nominee. Unless he gets uh, social media outlets back, he's not going to be because he won't be able to create the excitement. I'd look for someone like Nikki Haley, frankly. Um, so the Democrats, so the Republicans will at least be in a competitive position with Democrats. They've got to somehow take the thorns off. And if Donald Trump is indicted or anyone close to him is indicted, close to him is indicted by federal or state uh, authorities here in New York, um, which appears to be on the way, it will just make it more difficult for Trump to dominate the party. So you're going to need new faces and new ideas. I know you many years in each discussion. I learn more and more from you. Where can our listeners uh, find you and reach out to you if they have any questions? Well, they can always email me at hank at shankot.com. Um, no, this is fine, um, which is fine. And I'm happy to always to talk to people. I like, uh, I like the interchange. And I'm very fortunate that I can do it. All right. And I appreciate it. So you should take care of yourself. Well, thank you so much for joining Cindy Celebrity Corner. Hank Shankoff. We'll be back after the commercial. How many times have you asked yourself, where can I find the perfect white wine or a perfect rosé? Look no further than the Royal Wines Corporation, international distributors of kosher wines, and you don't have to be Jewish to enjoy them. Royal Wines is a distributor of the worldwide bestseller Bartonova Moscato and with nine generations of winemaking under their belt, the Herzog family presents Lineage, a line of high-quality wines grown under the sunshine of California. From Paso Robles to Clarksburg, 
to the Lake County, the Herzog lineage, wines carry the uncompromising standards that are the pride of the Herzog family. From semi-dry rosé to crisp Sauvignon Blanc, from delicate Pinot Noir to the elegant Cabernet Sauvignon, Herzog lineage wines are the benchmark of quality kosher California wine. On the Royal Wines website, there is a wine in every price range. You can find out more on the wines by going to their website, www.royalwines.com. That's www.royalwines.com. Hello, I'm Cindy Gross. Welcome back to Cindy's Celebrity Corner. I must tell you, I found the last two conversations very informative about uh, what is going on in each major party in the United States. And the one thing I got out of it is the importance of having your vote in and counted and having your voice heard. So in tonight's personal corner, I am going to share some information about how you can vote. Because since COVID, and there's been so many changes with how you can mail in or have absentee ballots or early voting, many states are now experiencing primaries, and people are asking questions about how to vote and how their vote will count, and to make sure that there is no fraud. Here in New York, we are going to have a primary, and there are major primaries from both parties on June 22nd. If you want to vote by mail, please request ballots by 615 online or mail or fax to return ballots by June 22nd. So you have now a little more than a month to make sure you can vote by absentee ballot with a request. If you don't request it, you will not be able to vote absentee. If you want to vote early, there are nine days, including weekends, to vote between June 12th and June 20th. Hours vary according to voting places. And on primary day, go to your local assigned spot on Tuesday, June 22nd, when the uh, polls open up at 6 a.m. and they close at 9 and I have a feeling on June 22nd, we are not going to have immediate results in many of the uh, elections because there are so many uh, races, so many primaries, and uh, so many names. And I suggest you highly get involved. If you can't get to a polling site, then ask a friend to take you. Call the candidate that you are voting for, and they will help you get information on where you need to vote. You can also call your local board of elections. And the other tip I want to give you in my personal corner is several years ago, I wrote a book called Rubber Room Romance, Everything You Need to Know About the Education System. And as the headlines say out loud, too many people don't know what's going on, and too many parents are starting to be very concerned where their tax dollars are going. And many teachers are very concerned, even teachers in the unions. So please go to Amazon or contact me and get a copy of Rubber Room Romance. It is quite a uh, learning about what goes on in the school system. We'll be back after the commercial. 
Hi, I'm Gary Morgenstein, creator of the new YouTube TV series Joyland and author of A Fastball for Freedom, and I never miss Cindy's Celebrity Corner on 620 AM. Welcome back to Cindy's Celebrity Corner. I am your host, Cindy Gross. We have had a lot of very serious, enlightening discussion today about politics on the left and politics on the right. And now we are going to find our common ground in our corner with Esther Miller, our contributor, the founder and owner of Mommies in the Move, who also happens to be a special projects coordinator for the Jewish Community Council. And she has been doing a lot of work with parents and about coping with crises that have been going on, especially during the past year. We were going to talk about this timely topic before the tragedy in Israel, but even now more than ever, because the uh, tragedy uh, during Lagba Omer has made international news, it is really a timely topic. So Esther, thank you for joining us again. Thank you, Cindy, for having me back. Uh, we did a great job last time, and I hope that we're able to really share and give people a lot of tools as well as discuss Mommies on the Move and where we're, hold- where we're going with it um, and how things are reopening again today. Well, um, I know that I hear from a lot of parents because I'm an education activist especially a lot of mothers, working mothers, they have a lot of concerns about the summers um, now taking place and camps are opening, uh, adventure parks are opening, restaurants are opening. And yet so many of the kids fear getting back to like, quote unquote, a normal lifestyle because they're giving so many mixed messages, whether or not it's schools open, schools closed, camps open, camps closed, depending where you live. Wear a mask, wear two masks, get vaccinated. You know what? I'm not a kid and it's confusing. So tell us some of the work that you've been doing in regard to having parents get back to life as the summer season approaches. So uh, this is a complicated issue, and I'm going to explain to you why I see complication here. A lot of the parents are confused, and they are getting mixed messages. A lot of the kids have had enough. A lot of them have been home. They haven't been able to go to school. They're seeing things reopen and they just want to run. They want to go. They want to do. They've had enough. The parents are holding back. This is causing a certain amount of friction. And as you touched on a small amount, um, there was a tragedy in Israel last year and uh, last week. And this tragedy was a catalyst of a lot of different factors, but was the official first reopening of Israel post-COVID and post-vaccination. And this was a lot of people coming into one place. And I think it's very important now, more than ever, for parents to sit down with their children of all ages, because every age child was in this at this gathering from little nine, 10 years old through adults were there. And parents need to discuss safety rules and crowding rules, and also how to cope with different, how to behave, how to be. And then, of course, we hope there won't be another tragedy, but what to do, how to, how to get, how to see danger, how to sense danger, when to leave, and also to not be embarrassed or be shy to say, I don't feel safe here, and I need to leave, whether it's 
too many people in one place because they're not wearing masks, whether it's too many people in one place because it's just too many people and it's an unsafe environment. So, so tell I us, think, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. you actually have a personal connection to what happened at Mount Marone. So tell us about it. Sure. So I, uh, as I mentioned last at our last uh, get together, I have a son in a gap year in Israel and he is 19 years old and uh, he was at that event. Um, he's one of those kids who experiences a uh, fear of missing out, what we call FOMO. And I didn't even attempt to say, don't go. Of course, you can't know what's going to happen beforehand. And I knew he'd be there. This kid was in that spot where it happened on those steps moments. What I found, he, he was scared to tell me. So he said hours before, and it took another parent to inform me it was 30 minutes before it happened that he realized that he was not in a safe place and he and his friends moved to a different area, but he did see the whole thing happen. And as he watched it happen, he picked up his phone and he called me and he said, ma, something very bad happened here. Just know that I'm safe. I'm okay. I'm safe. You haven't heard about it yet. He called me before the word got to the U S and then he very, very carefully followed the rules and got himself out of the area. But this is something that we can prevent in, to some degree because he used his, what the, the intelligence that he had to say, I am not in a safe space. I need to move from here. And this is something that we should be talking to our kids about. And this isn't just a Jewish issue. It isn't just a religious Jewish issue. This could happen at Great Adventure, at Disneyland. It could happen with a natural disaster uh, anywhere around the world. So this is really a parenting issue. And it's something that um, we really have to discuss more in regards to not only um, how to avoid it, but I know we were talking about how to prepare children to find out about it because a five-year-old watching it on TV is different than us watching it on TV. So what do you tell parents, especially of young ones, about a tragedy like what happened? I think giving children the space to first hear them because we don't want to start off as the speakers in those situations, especially with young ones, because as you said, they do process things differently. And each one will be processing, be a listener. At every age, come to the child with an opening. Just open the conversation. We as parents, and I know this because you know, I've been through a lot. With the, I, I'm divorced. I'm a single mom. And sometimes we fear opening Wait, up and a mother of eight. You forgot to say that. And a mom of eight. And I am now, I, I now have four teenagers at once. So... This is kind of my life on a daily basis. And um, I know that I struggle with it. Sometimes you don't feel like you want to bring up an unpleasant topic because you feel like you're introducing an unpleasant topic to a child. But on the actually, the truth is the opposite. You need to bring up an unpleasant topic and open the conversation. Tell the child this. You know, I, I see that you have seen what happened. How does it make you feel? What do you think about this? And after the child starts to speak, then continue the conversation and then try to tell the child, this is where, this is how you can do things differently. And we should be, and you're hundred percent right. As the summer opens and things open up, 
kids are going to crowd places. They are. This is what kids do. They own place, whether it's an arena or a ballpark, or as you said, an amusement park. Everyone, adults, kids, they've been locked up for a really long time. And we are going to see this overcrowding again and again over the coming months. And what we need to do is sit down with our kids and say to them, when you feel unsafe, be bold and say, I don't feel safe and walk away. Leave the area. What do you tell parents? I mean, you work with a lot of single mothers and a lot of them have to now get back to work and um, the economy is not what it was two years ago. What do you tell parents of young children as they are getting back to a somewhat routine? So as you mentioned, we do have 50 to 70, uh, closer, we're hitting closer to 70 women, single moms in the project. And um, I do speak to them about how they should come back into life and how, uh, what the best way to get kids back into school and get back to work. We're very fortunate because in our community, the schools really were kind of open and the parents were able to work some remotely and some were on site. But I, I advise them to just be kind to themselves. They are single moms. It's a, it's a process and they need to take frequent breaks for themselves, whether it's sitting in your driveway in your car with a coffee, go through Instagram, be kind to yourself. Take a break if you need one. This We have done 24-7, 365 day, days of parenting. We have gotten no break. Single moms are the real heroes. Yes, the nurses are heroes too, but the, these single moms who have not gotten a break really are, are warriors. And I give I, I tell each and every one of them, take five extra minutes in the shower Take five extra minutes in bed with your phone. Just just regroup and be kind to yourself. What do you tell parents who have very young children that uh, are planning summer activities? Are you encouraging camps? Are you not? What is like, what is, I'm sure people ask you this. They're thinking, is it going to be safe enough? Uh, the fear factor of, of the separation, especially because as you discussed, so many people have been like 24 seven with their kids or 23 um, seven, lots of home cooking like never before. I mean, how is, how do you deal with separation anxiety from parents and children after something like what we've just gone through? I think that for, uh, for children it is extremely important that the parents need to calm themselves down and send these kids back to socialization. Uh, it's been proven again and again that the virus doesn't really, doesn't seem to hurt the children that badly, but they're suffering terribly socially, terribly. Send the kids to camp. The kids need to go. They have adult supervision. There are guidelines that are being followed. They need to go. I have a child who has arthritis. And thank God it's a mild case. And all the way in the beginning of COVID, I reached out to the physician, the rheumatologist, and I said, what is your recommendation? And he said, I only, from the most mild case to the most severe case, I have told every parent, do not keep your child away from the other children. Whatever everyone's doing, let the children do it. It'll be much more damaging to them mentally, emotionally, than it will be for them physically. Send them 
to camp, send them to school. They need it. So that's my advice. One last question before we go. Obviously, you work for a local community center, but I'm sure community centers throughout the country have very similar programs like the one you are suggesting and ones that aren't Jewish. I mean, church programs, church community centers as well. Tell us a little bit about the program itself, what it offers so that our listeners can seek out in their neighborhoods similar programs. So this program is dedicated to single moms and um, it offers career counseling. It offers financial coaching. So career counseling, what, what's under that umbrella is resume writing, interview prep, because a lot of the women haven't been in the job market for many years. They don't have an updated resume. They, they, don't, they haven't been on an interview as an adult for many years. So this is going to teach them what it looks like to go on a job interview. We also have so financial coaching. We teach them about budgeting. A lot of the women weren't in charge of the finances in their home. They need to learn how to be in charge of their own destiny, their own financial destiny. We also help people with social services, any sort of help. And now, as you can see, we're, we just keep branching out and branching out. And at this point, we're just we're listening to the moms. What do you need? One just mentioned she needs advocacy. So now we're working on advocates because it's hard for the single moms to advocate for themselves all day, every day. Esther, as always, it is great to have you on. I just got a text from someone. Could the next show be about teaching women about finances? And I think you'd be the perfect person to discuss that in both of your positions as a owner of a successful small business that you created by yourself and also as a counselor. Tell our audience where they can find um, you and your products and how they can reach out. So the product at this point can be bought online at mommiesonthemove.com. Um, and it's a constant daily project, getting it moving, getting it going, having meeting with buyers, finding buyers, looking at new products, and then getting them to accept a new product. It's a risk for everybody at this point. So it's a little slower, but moving along. And uh, the JCC that I work for, you're welcome to reach out to me there, esther at jccrp.org. If you know, everything works by grants and locations, but we're more than happy to help every person who reaches out. We refer around to whatever you need, whatever your needs are from A to Z. Literally, there are 14 people sitting in an office helping people all day, every day. And you are on Instagram, so people could reach out to you there as well. Esther Miller, I look forward to having you back soon. And once again, uh, a very timely topic it really fits into our special episode because we are talking a lot about politics. Childcare is a very big issue in both parties, and it's a nonpartisan issue that needs bipartisan support. We'll be back after the commercial. Thanks, Cindy. Thanks again. Thank you. Are you looking to update your branding and your business? Double G Designs works remotely with all businesses to create logos for stationery, business cards, social media posts, banners and posters, and all your needs for brand development. Gina Gelato has years of experience offering affordable logos to manufacturers, brand ambassadors, and party planners. She can be reached through her Instagram account and through her website, www. GinaGelato.com. That is www.ginagelado.com. 
www.thebrandnewsletter.com. I use her for my business, and I can tell you I have gotten many compliments on my logo branding. That's Gina Gelato, double G, designs.com. Welcome back to Cindy's Celebrity Corner. I am your host, Cindy Gross. And just like that, the hour flew by. I promised you great guest, great conversation, and lots of information to think about. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please let me know what you think. You can reach out to me through my website, Cindy's Corners, and email me through there. Or you can reach me and follow me on Facebook and Instagram. Never miss an episode. Download it on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcast, Podbean, Jewish Podcast, and you can also listen to us through the Talkline Radio Networks. Thank you for joining Cindy Celebrity Corner, where all our angles and points meet and where you don't have to be Jewish to enjoy the Celebrity Corner. Thank you and have a good night. Thanks for listening. 